Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. And maybe my favorite episode of Quarantine is Inbound. I am joined by Justin Williams of The Athletic. Hi, Justin. Hi, Chad. How are you? I, I'm delightful this uh, gloomy Wednesday afternoon. We, I'll, I'll get to a story in a second. We are also joined <laughs> by a very special guest. None other than Ryan Coslin, the man they know as Cos, who has over the last, is it what, 12 years, Cos? 12 years. Over the past 12 years, seen everything on the inside of the UC football program. So we are going to get to story time with Cos on quite a few things that I, I've never been more excited for story time than what we're going to get today. I got lucky this just, just before we, uh, we went live here. I went downstairs, was going to get some lunch, was like, ah, take the pup out real quick, get a, get a little potty break in, got the potty break in, and no long, 30 seconds after we came back in, a torrential downpour started outside. And as far as quarantine life goes, that's timing that you just can't appreciate <laughs> anywhere else. That, like, little, came in, I walked into the kitchen to start lunch, and rain just started pounding on the house. And that was uh, that was major win number one today. For Never the, question uh, for the weather myself. gods. Never question yeah. the weather gods. Because there's nothing worse than when you time it just wrong and you're standing out in the middle of your yard and the rain starts. And then you can't get the dogs in. My one dog, my older dog, hates the rain. The puppy thinks it's fun. So the puppy likes to run around in the rain. And then, you, and then it's like trying to catch a greased pig, trying to get him back into the house. <laughs> That sounds not delightful. That not that I've ever caught a grease pig. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get into this. We'll, we'll get. We'll start with the the, the normal stuff, cause, and then we'll we'll fill the back half of the episode with story time. Um, this has got to be. Justin and I have joked for many, many, many months now that there is no stop on this beat. How does the guy that is behind all of the 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 nonstop action? How are you handling quarantine and, and there being very, very little action um, for you? What, what's a day for Kaz look like now? I mean, it, you know, the, the world has shrunk quite a bit. It's shrunk to the, you know, four walls of my apartment. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I try to get out as much as I can just to feel a little bit of sanity. Um, thankfully, the weather's been mostly okay. So, my, uh, my morning walks for coffee have replaced my morning drives for coffee. Um, you know, try to, like they say, just try to establish a routine. Obviously, meetings are turned into Zoom calls and, you know, you don't have that like face-to-face -face time that you used to have. So you can't so much badger people for interview requests. You got to text them and call them and wait for them to get back to you, which can be annoying. Um, but you adjust. It's, uh, it's kind of kicked us into the communications office summer mode. So I've been knee-deep in writing a lot of football bios and other exciting jobs that you know, are necessary, but probably not the things you want to be doing at this time of year. So I think I did 60 yesterday. Um, Oof. So, yeah, it was, it was a long day. I know there's nothing you love more than writing a good bio. I, you know, I was thinking of the other day, and it's like, if, if, you, if you had to give me, like, a list of jobs I hated most, I think bio writing and maybe quote transcribing would be, you know, neck and neck near the top. Well, I mean, you the quote thing you guys solved for a while. I, mean, I don't know if it was basketball. I don't know how much you do it in football. But you'd take the post-game press conferences and just hand them off to an intern or a couple different interns 
and uh, voila, all of a sudden it was transcribed and you didn't have to do the transcribing. Yeah, we're working on that. We're going to try to get a little more robust uh, student thing. You know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm going to talk about uh, listing the uh, job profiles. Just say like game day duties is assigned. <laughs> What's the, what was the most interesting uh, bio tidbit you, you learned in, in all 60 of them? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, they kind of started looking the same after a while. <laughs> you know, I, I think there were uh, – I found a few entertaining things on, on some of the uh, – maybe some of the guys that, you know, you see uh, old bio when they transfer from somewhere. Um, right. Relatives and, and other people that they know in, in football or that they played in football, like who their cousins are, who their, their grandfather was a playground basketball legend was a pretty good one. <laughs> who was that? Um, it was, I think, uh, is transferred from East Tennessee State. Playground basketball Manigal. legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's high quality. It is. It is. <laughs> I remember um, when I was a student at Eastern Michigan, I had a, a buddy who's now a buddy of mine. He's a volleyball assistant coach at a institution, and he listed. You know, he listed on his bio sheet that he wanted his secret dream was to be a Vegas lounge singer. So, of course, that got put in. I mean, you can't ignore something like that, even if it wasn't <laughs> just. So, how much is are your days divided between like tracking down an interview request for someone like me or Chad, or just like triage on the athletic department in general and all the stuff that you guys are having to move around or trying to figure out on the fly? It depends on the day. I mean, I, I think that it's probably still maybe a few less interview requests just because we're at that time of the year when, you know, we'd be done with spring football coaches would be out recruiting or getting ready to, you know, take some time off that sort of thing. So I think that time of the year wise, it's lessened a little bit. Um, but it's still, it's still a part of it. I think that, you know, we've had some requests today because the NLI thing that popped up um, with the NCAA this morning. And I think the stunning thing to me was the biggest thing people are upset about is the no football game for no uh, football <laughs> video game. Yeah. That's really all they care about. It's yeah. not about, it's not about I, players being able to compensate themselves. It's about somebody being able to play. And yeah, football exactly. And whatever. Hey, have you guys seen what, what that game goes for right now? NCAA like 14? Old versions? Like uh, if you've got one in a, in a new in a box – or you've got one in relatively good condition, $250. Wow. That's crazy. What do they do, just update the rosters? Yeah, you update – like there's a, a file you can download that up, updates the rosters, or you can just, you know, play it as is, the 2014 version. But people are selling those things for $250. What would you rather spend your money on, that or hand sanitizer? I mean – I looked it up because I was I was interested in buying. Uh, that's that's where the uh, that's where the time off can get a little dangerous. You start clicking through stuff on the internet, like, huh, I could use that. Well, two fifty was a little steep for my blood. A um, hundred, I I probably would have pulled the trigger on a hundred. All right, fans out there, if you know of NCAA football for a hundred <laughs> bucks, get give Chad. He'll he'll hook you up. Gonna get you a bootleg version from some some board reader. Who... <laughs> I mean, it's turned into a big deal now. Big Cat from Barstool's turned it into to a major thing. There's. Did you see the uh, the Northern Illinois coach cause? What all happened not. with that? Today? No, a couple weeks ago. 
refresh me because there's been, a, you know, any number of stories which have popped up to take that mantle in my brain. So people are creating – they're creating players, recruits on NCAA football 2014, and they're tweeting out their offers. So the, the – a Twitter page for one of the created players tweeted out, blessed to have an offer from Northern NIU. They offered a computer player. No, 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 oh. no, no. In the game, the, okay. the generated oh. player got offered in his recruitment. Okay. And he put it on Twitter, blessed to have an offer from NIU. I'm as sure part of the game. That, that upset some recruiting staff somewhere. No, the head coach popped into his mentions and was like, son, I'm the head coach at NIU, and I, I don't know who you are. I have not offered you, blah, 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 blah. So the, the computer-generated player comes back and responds, coach, I've, I've worked really hard for this. Uh, and your assistant <laughs> presented me the offer last night. Uh, this is this is a really heartbreaking news to be getting from the head coach. The coach came back again and was like, "Look, son, like this isn't funny. We didn't offer you." And then I think somebody <laughs> on his staff like lightened, like wisened up to let him know exactly what was going on. And he came back over the top and was like, "You got me. You got me. Well played." And, and he and he had some fun with it. So, Matching, baby. People I had to, are I had to really, look and see who I, I wasn't sure who the head coach at Northern Illinois was anymore. People are really bored, basically, is yeah. what we're finding. <laughs> well, look at look at the numbers the draft did. I mean, I think there's a, you know, people are watching iRacing on TV or they're watching esports and the draft, which was a pseudo live event, did some huge numbers. So I think there's a definite. I, I think when sports do get back, the the television viewing numbers would be pretty good because I think people are looking for something that's not you know, doom and gloom per se. They want something that gives them a little bit of hope and, and normalcy. Were you surprised at how well that was all pulled off and how few technical glitches there were uh, as somebody that handles that type of thing? Absolutely. I mean, I, I can imagine that the anxiety level with the, just the number of feeds they were trying to manage was off the charts. Um, and they, you know, they had some, some stop gaps built in where they would be able to hit pause on things if there was an issue. And they said they never had to get to that, which is phenomenal. Um, probably a lot of luck was involved, but absolutely, hey, yeah. How how is how have your guys been to work with on that? Because it seems like at least you know we've had we've had John on this John Brandon on this podcast. We've had Luke on this podcast. It seems like at least at the top, everybody is adjusted pretty well to all of this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that you you kind of adjust the normal and you accept it for what it is, knowing that you know everyone's dealing with the same thing, and the hopefully the you know, once we get through this, everything will move back to normally at, at some point. But I think they've been great overall. Um, you know, I'm sure some of them are, are welcoming the opportunity to do some things to get away from, you know, having to homeschool the kids and and do all sorts of other stuff. But it, it, it does give them also something to do as well, something to talk about, something that's easy for them, which is their, their sport or, or recruiting or, or all that. Are, do you think Zoom – plays a factor in this world as we continue on because I mean it, it seems like at least like hosting media access and things like that um, can can be made a little bit easier by the, the technology that's stepped forward yeah I think it I think it definitely could um, you know I think that we've we've been looking at a number of things um, how teams have pulled off executions with their press conferences or with you know, Q and A's between people. And, and maybe this is something that it's easier in the future to just put a laptop out and say, Hey, sit down and talk for 10 minutes. 
Um, so I think there's definitely something to that. And then maybe you can reach even more people by using some of these platforms to help stream. I think there's been some barriers that have been eliminated for live streaming and other things um, that maybe we just didn't bother to look at before because we didn't think we had time. And now that we've had time, we've unraveled the whole thing. Okay. Um, outside of all of this stuff that has changed, um, you know, Chad mentioned this is your 12th year and obviously you're working in, in the industry before that. How has the just college football in general changed specifically since you came to UC? Uh, well, social media kind of became a thing. I don't know if you heard about yeah. that yet. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> not familiar. Been the biggest, that's been the biggest, um, the biggest thing overall. I mean, you know, the we've seen obviously the the heights of the program during the Brian Kelly days, and you know, it's kind of been some ups and downs through that time, and 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 back on the uh, the definite upward trend again. Um, but I think that social media has probably been the biggest thing through the years because it's changed recruiting. It's changed, um, you know, who is a member of the media now because anyone with a cell phone camera is throwing video up from a Saturday night at the bar. And then, you know, you're dealing with stuff that maybe never got out before um, or just the general overreaction over what people say on social media with, uh, you know, somebody sends one tweet out and it causes an entire uproar based off of one word that was a typo. You know, it's just stuff like that. But I think social media has been probably the biggest thing and, and probably the biggest change in, in student athletes as well because they, in a, in a way, they're, they're their own brand more than they used to be. You know, like they've created this the thing like you've got somebody with a giant social media following and, and some of the news on the NIL stuff that's been coming out, um, you know, proves like they're talking about what a, a tweet from Trevor Lawrence is worth. And, and what opportunities would, would a player like a, a Michael Warren who just signed with the Eagles would, would have from a social media standpoint or something like that, or Josiah DeGuara who got drafted? Um, what sort of things that you can provide for them? And I think the, if anything, the, the business is, is focused a little more on the student athletes, maybe after a, a time away from it, you've seen a heavy focus on, on wellness and welfare and, you know, making sure they're prepared for life outside of college and, and what's beyond that. Because let's be honest, a very small percentage are going to play professionally. So you've got to make sure these kids are ready to go out and be contributing members of society and, and you know, know what they're going to do. They, they'll be what? going pro in okay. something other than sports, if you will. I've seen that commercial <laughs> a couple of times. Go ahead, Jack. Aside of, of, you know, people like Chad and I calling you and asking for random things or just, you know, the general kind of – you set up interviews at, at games and practices or whatever. I mean, you have a bunch of stuff outside of that. Talk about some of the travel and advanced team stuff you do, some of the just general game day ops that have nothing to do with annoying media people. Well, I seem to get a lot of uh, gruff regarding the menu on game day, you know, depending <laughs> on what it is. Good so. question. I just, I'm always curious. <laughs> so would you like, if I provide you the entire menu for the football season ahead of time, would that be acceptable? No, I, I prefer to bother you okay. about it. Okay, just making sure. I'm just seeing if I can make my life a little easier. It's part um, of the job. Yeah. Bothering you. I mean, I accept that. I accept that there's a certain amount of, uh, of uh, you know, gruff that's going to come my way for various things, be it we're out of water or, you know, my seat's broken or why'd you move me next to this guy or why am I sitting next to this guy? Um, I remember when, when – we had Bill Cook and, and Gresh around. It was always a, a thing of, you know, they had to be near each other. It was like Waldorf and Stadler from the Muppets. <laughs> it's like the two guys in the balcony. And if you sat next to them, it was, uh, 
it was phenomenal. Um, you know, you just there was just a constant barrage of conversation going back and forth on, you know, gags and other stuff. And it was just I had many years of it, and I miss it a little bit. Um, not that you guys aren't great, you know, because you guys dig it to well known. But Chad, you're not upstairs on game day, so you miss like three quarters of the fun. I know. I just I, my prop. I can't be quiet. Yeah, so, Fox is the same problem. Well, at least I think one thing you have to admit with me, cause I have plenty of flaws, but I know my scouting report. <laughs> I know my scouting report. My scouting report is I am best during football down on the field where I can move around and talk to people and and be Chad sitting in a sterile press box, uh, trying to lean back and talk to Justin. Everybody's going to just tell me to shut the hell up for three hours. <laughs> We've done that with Brent a little bit. So, yeah, it does happen. I mean, he's still coming back. Yeah. The thing with that, we've gotten him down on words. Like, we're, we're, we're all about reducing Brent's word count. So, we'll, we'll have to talk to him about the, uh, the press box word count, too. I think I asked him at one point if he was getting paid by the word. I was, I was looking at a recap. I was like, dude, are you getting paid by the word here? Does Chad know this? My dad, I think his second article he wrote, my dad looked at me and said, um, Chad, it took me four days to read the preview. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the in-depth coverage they're looking for, Bearcat Journal, though, right? You're, not, you're probably trying to steal him from me. That, the word count is massive. <laughs> no comment. No comment. But get, getting back to Justin's question, so in addition to – you know, the, the media responsibilities for football and kind of the whole department. Um, I'm, I'm overseeing basically like our whole media strategy. So where we're going with things, um, what outlets we're trying to hit on, um, you know, what stories we're, we're pitching, so to speak. So, you know, it, it's, it's little stuff, but we've, we've been able to get some good ones out there, like the Fickles with their food donation, um, which was a great thing. And, and I know, Chad, you did something great with, with uh, Pizza Place as well in the hospital. And we didn't mean to cross paths on that, but we did. <laughs> Unfortunately, but the nice thing is, is everyone got fed. Yeah. Everyone got fed a lot. Exactly. So, yeah, I think they're the one thing we've learned is there's plenty of room in the media for good stories, um, and you know we just it's our job just to kind of put them out there and 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 work with our teams to kind of dig those up, and then um, you know I work with our AD John Cunningham, our administration on on some of their media stuff, and. Um, you know, and the then travel stuff also, is interesting. Get, I was getting there. I was getting there. Yeah. So I also do uh, football's advanced travel. I've done that on and off since. Well, it was funny. It was uh, when when Butch Jones left for Tennessee. As you guys know, um, you know about eighty five percent of the staff went with him before the bowl game. So we're sitting seemed like more. And, Felt yeah, like more. It did. It did feel like more. Um, John Whitakin, our ops guy, you know, looks at me and and Greg Bruner, who was the equipment guy at the time. He goes. I need two guys to go in advance. Can you guys handle it? I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Little did I know I was getting roped in and I've kind of been stuck ever since, except for a couple year pause when coach Tuberville was here. Um, so I'll fly out day before the team and, you know, work with the hotel and get things set up. So basically my job is to make sure when they walk in, um, they can do their thing football wise. They don't have to worry about rooms. They don't have to worry about, you know, the meal room being set up or, or some of the video stuff being set up. And, you know, luckily there's a great team here that gets the truck packed and gets everything where it needs to go and, and letting me know, like, what I need to pull off the truck. And then we're typically busing or flying a group of people in the morning of. So they'll come over and, and we'll do some things to get the hotel set up. So it's, it's a very similar setup to what we have on campus. 
and at the hotel here for home games. So, it, it, you know, you want things to have that consistency throughout so they can focus on football. You've had to do some some running around for that. I think I remember a story of, like, trying to find a bunch of chocolate milk or, or something. And I'm sure yeah. there's been multiple <laughs> versions of those different types of things. So the worst one was trying to – this was when Coach Tuberville was here, our strength coach at the time, Joe Walker. Um, and, you know, one of the nutritional pieces that the, the guys liked was chocolate milk for a recovery drink, for, a, um, you know, some a nutritional value of something that wasn't like a pop or a Gatorade. Um, so we had to find chocolate milk and, and they wanted them in, you know, the eight ounce or 12 ounce bottles and we had to do our best to find them. So I think the one time in Memphis, I want to say we went to seven different stores and we had a weird combination of like a dairy farm, uh, Nesquik and some other stuff. So it's, uh, you find a way to get it done. You know, sometimes you got to be a little creative. I've never like stolen a shopping cart from somebody, but it's come close a couple of times on some of these Thanksgiving uh, trips when you know you're shopping on Black Friday for uncrustables and apples and everything else, and uh, it's fun. There, there's nothing more popular than uncrustables. I've found it's crazy. I think one of the my most well liked tweets ever was the uh, tweet of the snack table from the rain delay during the Birmingham Bowl. <laughs> Just people, people were amazed at that. But that's a that's an every game thing. One of the things down on the field. Um, after halftime, the, the locker room down on the field, there's leftovers in there. Mm-hmm. And some of the photographers discovered this and that there were Uncrustables left on the table in there. Oh, yeah. And I've never seen a group of people like, like birth of a child happy that they it's were crazy. able to get an Uncrustable after halftime. It's like fans with a free t-shirt or, you know, anytime <laughs> you give somebody free ice cream or something like that, they go crazy. I, I'm convinced, Kaz, you could have been like, look, Jeff Ruby's has provided me, uh, medium rare 10-ounce fillets in the press box, or there's Uncrustables down here on the field, and the photographer were Uncrustables. Not even a question. It depends, <laughs> Not even a question. which flavor Uncrustables, though, because there's like three of them now. So there's like grape, I, I don't there's think strawberry, and there's like a chocolate hazelnut one that's actually pretty good. Really? Mm-hmm. So it's jelly and hazelnut. No, it's just like Peanut, it's like Nutella. It's just it's like, the uh, okay. It's just so like it's Nutella just in an uncrustable. It's it's actually feels like something like somebody would come up with on like Bon Appetit or something. <laughs> like, that's like a stoner uncrustable right there. I mean, no, you know, just the photographers love one. So, <laughs> um, Kaz, you're you're in the content business um, behind a lot of the things at, at GoBearCats.com. How difficult has content been through all of this Con- like uh, coming up with new ideas um doing things to to keep fans engaged and entertained it, it's been i know from from my perspective from justin's perspective it, it's been uh an interesting challenge and what's it been what's it been like inside the athletic department i mean it's been the same um you know we've tried to do is focus on some of the individual accomplishments of of some of our teams um especially those that maybe didn't get to complete a season and, you know, just try and pick out some of those top moments and maybe add some commentary from a coach or anything else and try and add some perspective to things. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, it's, it's how do we keep our fans engaged? How do we keep them interested? Because at the end of the day, we're, you know, we want our fans around and we can't wait till we get back to live sports because that's what, we, we, you know, we all thrive on. Um, you know, and, and it, it probably 
anything else maybe caused a few ideas that were long held to germinate a little more like the still waiting on one of those we're working on it we're working on it it's it's baby (laughs) steps i got a big thing i'm working on besides that which will hopefully provide us with all the knowledge we need to handle what we talked about all right stay tuned stay tuned all right staying tuned. um but i I mean we're all in the same boat and and it's it's almost like you know sometimes you have to ask the question is the story play better on on your website or justin's website or does it play better on tv or does it play better with on our webs on our website so never on tv (laughs) there are some things that are better visually (laughs) we can embed video not this podcast you can yeah this Um, podcast is not better visually no, 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 definitely not. No, I mean, you, I was on a Zoom call with the entire athletic department a few weeks ago, and I was like, I wasn't, I mean, I was paying attention, but because I already knew what we were talking about, but I was kind of scrolling through just looking at people. It was very entertaining. <laughs> Let's, before we get into story time, the, the name, name, image, likeness uh, stuff that, that's now moving and, and looking uh, more and more like it is inevitable, uh, from the inside, what how does an athletic department prepare for this what are the what are the 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 things being discussed what are the how are strategies being worked out i saw miami hired a uh an advisor um to to kind of lead kids along the right path this is unprecedented so how are people kind of gearing up for it yeah I, i think um you know still a lot of unknowns that we're trying to figure out and every, every drip of information we get is like a little morsel. Sometimes you're like, Oh, okay, this is how it's going to work. Um, you know, I think that most people would say they really don't know how it's going to shake out only that it's benefiting the student athletes. And that's a good thing. Um, you know, I think that we have a lot of questions that we need to answer still. I think we have a very good compliance staff. Um, you know, Maggie McKinley's on the NCAA council. So we're able to get some, some, uh, more significant information, you know, from her and, and her meetings and what the, the conversations are in the room. Um, but I, you know, I think we've also got the benefit of having a guy um, who's now on the coaching staff and Greg Scruggs, who, who has been a high level student athlete who played professionally and everything else. Um, so, you know, engaging someone like that in some of those discussions has been beneficial, at least for me, just to see, Hey, what's the thought process. And then I think it's talking to your athletes and, and figuring out, you know, what their expectations are and what they think, and then maybe trying to temper some of those expectations a little bit. Cause I, I, you know, you want all of them to, to make everything they can and benefit off their name um, because they deserve that and they've earned that. But it's like, you want to tell them, Hey, this may not be the windfall that it might be for like a Trevor Lawrence or a Joe Burrow. So, you know, temper some expectations and, and make sure they understand you know, to stay within those parameters still, because it still could affect eligibilities down the road. If, if something is gone um, right now, it seems like there's a lot of, um, I don't know, I don't want to say loopholes, but there's a lot of little variations on things that we're going to have to sort through and figure out, like you can do this, but you can't do that. You can do this, but you can't do that. So I think, you know, constructive discussions are helpful and, and we're just going to keep trying to put the student athletes first and come out of this on the good side. And if not, we'll just ask you guys what you think. I, I mean, I, I, the first thing I'd do is I'd go to Ruby's and be like, hey, you want to sponsor me? Like, give me a steak. <laughs> what, what would be on the steak, Chad, by the way? 
Oh, it would just be a, a very, very – it's actually the most expensive thing on Ruby's menu. It would be the tomahawk ribeye, which is, I think, $115, a 32-ounce tomahawk ribeye. That's if I'm, doing, if I'm doing a good steakhouse, the bone-in ribeye is always my choice. Nothing on it, nothing fancy. Bone-in ribeye. Ruby's – I was thinking, like, Corito. Like, you got to start smaller. Well, I mean, it, like – it depends on how, you know, how big a name you are, right? Like, uh, that's all right. Chad Brendel can go to Ruby's. So right. What, what Justin Williams your, goes to Carino. <laughs> so, Justin, that would be your ideal endorsement? I, I'm just going anywhere that won't, like, laugh me out of the, out of the establishment. Insomnia cookies. There you go. That would – now we're <laughs> on to something. I mean, you could definitely... see – you could easily see something with like a Mike Warren in a car dealership, like playing truck. off the truck thing. Like, you yeah. know, you know, Weiler would, he'd find something for him, I think. Mike behind the wheel of an F-350. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of that too is going to be on the end of, of other people is, you know, what's that worth? Um, what's it, you know, how are you going to measure the return? What's the responsibility going to be? And, you know, then what's the, what's the impact on the student athlete's time? I mean, if you're, you know, how many, what appearances are people going to say that you have to make to fulfill a contract and how does that affect your, um, you know, how does that affect your, what's called care, your counter, your relatable activities. And, you know, how does that impact your time with being a student and an athlete and trying to have some spare time and have a life outside of that? So I think there's a lot of stuff out there and it'll get answered. And I think the right questions are getting asked. It's just, it's a very complex issue that's just taking time to sort through. All right. Well, I'll start story time here and, and I'll start, I'll start. Now I'm scared. I'll before start with you, the question. Before you start, how many angry calls are you going to get after this cause? About what? About that? Whoever about you're story telling time. stories about for the next half. <laughs> it depends. Um, <laughs> you know, I always like to say if I wrote a book, there'd be like 12 deaths and three divorces and, you know, I ended up getting killed in the crossfire probably. So <laughs> I'll keep it clean. Well, I promise. Uh, Mo Egger wanted me to ask you this. Oh boy. Uh, I let him know <laughs> yesterday that you were coming on the podcast and, uh, asked him if he had anything you wanted me to, to talk to you about. And, and his thing was, um, what was it like working for Butch Jones? And, and did you like Butch Jones? Because he says he's never met anyone that, that actually will say that they liked Butch Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I've liked all the coaches I've worked with. I don't have an issue with any of them. I like Butch. We still will text on rare occasion. Um, you know, but it, it was it was an adventure sometimes with him. Um, you know, there were always a lot of ideas. And the phone, <laughs> yeah. the phone, the phone would ring, and you're not really sure what you're going to get sometimes. Um, but we spent a lot of time. I think Butch is a, a good guy at heart, and I think he did a good job here. You can argue, you know, the way that he left, but – you know, as you're in this business, we'll get to time, that. You, yeah, but you realize there's not an easy way to leave sometimes. Um, but overall, I, I liked Butch. I thought it was, I thought he was a, a good dude. And, and that's the thing. Um, you spend so much time with around coaches and, and student athletes, you, you get to see a completely different side of them. So maybe the public perception doesn't match the, uh, you know, what you actually see. So, but I enjoyed Butch. There was always a good time. He's, I always said, you know, he was one of the rare coaches you could tell to F off and get away with it. <laughs> you, you got any story time questions, Jeff? 
what's let's think of some butch ones we can talk about. can we talk pickle juice i know that was always one that gets brought up a lot that was Fre- that was his first game at fresno and it was uh we were in fresno california it was hot like really a million hot. degrees it was a million degrees in the desert and um He's talking to Bob Mangine about worried about guys cramping. So he's, he's said, should we go track down some pickle juice? And I can't remember if we found some or not. I mean, one of those things. Was, uh, I bet I can guess a... what Bob's reaction was. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some words involved. Definitely a look, <laughs> a look I know very well. <laughs> you always want to avoid the look from Bob. Yeah. It's usually hard. like there's never really any any malice on the other end, other than you're about to to learn a, a new word or two, uh, um, or a new way of using a word you already thought you knew. Right. Uh, all right. Let's let's go big. Banquet, Brian Kelly. Take us behind the scenes. When did you find out he was leaving? When did you find out he was about to go on ESPN? what was it like in that room as, as players were looking at their phone and, and getting news like during the banquet, take me through as much as you can recount from that evening. Uh, it was a cold day in Cincinnati. I don't know. <laughs> um, it was a weird week overall. There was a, you know, a lot of rampant speculation about if he was going to stay or go. And, you know, I think that it was a, a sort of a, one of the, I feel like that was one of the first coaching searches that involved social media in some way with, with the rampant level of speculation. Yeah. Um, 2010. I mean, that's right around when it all took off. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was stressful in a lot of ways because you know, you see things and you, you hear things and you're like, I don't know what's going on. Um, I think I remember clearly that I was going up the escalator at the, I think the bank was downtown at the uh, Hilton. It was. And, and I remember going up the escalator and that was that long escalator from the lobby. And at the time I had two cell phones and they both started ringing at the same time. And one was the newspaper in South Bend. The other one was the desk in Bristol at ESPN. And they both, were saying, Oh boy, hey, we've got this news that it's confirmed. Can you confirm it? And I, I come over the top of the other one and I just see all of you guys like standing behind stanchions. And like, I was like, I've never seen this much media at an event in Cincinnati before in my life. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, that was, that was fun. And then, you know, Brian came in and had some security with him and didn't really want to talk Yeah, You guys kind of hung around for a bit. I think at one point I looked up and I saw, um, JT from channel five, like in the kitchen peeking <laughs> out from behind the door. <laughs> I just kind of jumped up and I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, there's nothing going on. It's the banquet. Nothing's going to, whatever. But the ESPN thing was set up well in advance. Um, the College Football Awards were that night and in Orlando, and Coach Kelly was getting the Home Depot Award as the National Coach of the Year. So we had kind of set up the remote long in advance. So the, the original plan was it was going to be to a full crowd behind them of people like going crazy for them getting the award, and it was supposed to be very celebratory. And it did not turn out to be that. <laughs> um, it was Coach Kelly accepting the award in front of an empty room. Uh, as I found out later, after he had told the team he was leaving. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone knows the story. The, the banquet ended. Coach announced, hey, I need to see all the players across the hall in the room where we had the cocktail hour and went in there and told them they were leaving. And some guys um, didn't take it very well and found the cameras right away. And Coach came back in and, and did his thing with ESPN. And then um, 
heading left and headed for Southland. Did, Weird do, night. Yeah. Weird night. Yeah. Any truth to, in your mind, would he have stayed if they were in the national title game? I mean, that's like the ultimate what if. I, I mean, I like to think he would have, but I don't know that for sure. You're looking at a different time in college football when the recruiting calendar was completely different than it is now. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, there was no early signing day and they had just made a coaching change and they were technically behind on, on classes. And this was before guys would commit as early as they would because they wanted to early enroll. So, you know, I think that there's been a lot of things since that have helped. I don't know if it's helped help that because there's still coaches leaving, but I, you know, you would like to think if you're playing in a high-profile game, um, you know, you've seen instances where coaches have come back to their schools and, and done it. So you just – you don't know. Jeff? What, knowing how that whole night went then, how shocked were you earlier – or I guess last fall in October, whenever it was, that Brian Kelly's walking out onto the field at, at Nibbert Stadium? I thought it was awesome. Mixed was emotion, awesome. sure, but did you ever think yeah. that moment would come? I Honestly, I hoped it did. Because what Coach Kelly accomplished in, in, you know, just over three years here was amazing. Um, you know, I think that you can't argue with the record. You can't argue with, with some of those teams and the way they recruited and developed players. Um, and I think that maybe that was the closure we all needed at that point because we didn't really get it in 2009. Um, but I think that there was a lot of emotion and a lot of it was genuine. Um, and I think, you know, obviously I hadn't, talked to Brian a ton since then, but seeing him there, I think he was definitely moved by everything and, and really excited that we asked him back. The coaching hire versus coach leaving situation, you know, what is that like on, on your end? Obviously you kind of gave us some insight into when BK left, but whether it was Butch being hired versus Butch leaving or, or Tubbs or, or Fickle, what are those, what are those situations like for you? It's hectic. Um, it's hectic. Anytime you're in a coaching search, you know, you maybe in my position don't necessarily have all the information. So you do, you can to kind of seek it out yourself and you're prepared for pretty much any eventuality because now there's, it's not just a press conference. Now there's graphics, there's, you know, movies, there's, you know, how do you tell the team before everyone else finds out? And then the actual event of pulling off the hire itself, what's the timing of that? Um, so I think there's, there's a lot more to it. So you try to be as prepared as possible. Um, I think my record during a coaching search was I had 14 candidates that I was, I was working on in some form um, just because I didn't really know where we were going. So it's uh, you just, you kind of got to count on people you trust and have a lot of conversations and kind of be able to read through the tea leaves, so to speak, and, and see what makes sense. Which one was the 14? One of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through a couple, so. Ain't that the, do you, do you feel like uh last man standing at times when you look around? I mean, I don't know if I ever catch up with Bill Friggy and John Whittakin in terms of years. So, true. you know, I look at those guys and when, you know, they're talking about working out of, uh, you know, Edwards hall and when the baseball stadium was where Shakely lawn is now, and you could hit yeah. home runs in the, in the nipper. And I mean, I, I was here with the old press box. So I've, I've obviously seen that change a great deal. And then, you know, you, you're up on Calhoun and you look where U Square is now. And, and, you know, that was a dirt hill for so many years. And then you even look at Short Vine and, and what that district's turned into. And, you know, just the incredible growth that's gone on around the university in the last decade plus. It's, it's pretty cool.
So there, there's a, a common theme on, on people that deal with Coach Fickle. Uh, and, and I've talked about it. I know Justin's talked about it. You've been in this business for a long time, not just at UC, but before you got here. Have you ever dealt with a coach that is as normal as Luke Fickle? Like, no. It, no. It, not, it's not that easy, isn't it? Not in football. Maybe in an Olympic sport. Yeah. Like some of the, the – Leroy Burrell, the track coach at Houston – when I was there from 2005 to 08 is about one of the most normal people you've ever met in your life. And he was the fastest man in the world at one point <laughs> on the football side. No, not at all. How does that translate into to working with him every day? How much, I don't want to say easier, but how much, how much less stress is there having to deal with someone that when you ask him a question, you get a, a straight answer and there's no beating around the bush or no, um, neurotic runarounds <laughs> it's just it, it, it seems pretty easy it is I mean it is and it, it's there's still challenges I think that yeah if anything it, it's it opens up some new doors for you because he is so normal um but I think that it's like anything else it's, it's establishing a relationship and, and working through that and building up that trust factor so he knows that when I walk into his office with an interview or anything else that I think it's a good idea for us to do it. I'm not going to take it to him unless I do. I'm not going to waste his time because I know how valuable that is. Um, so I, you know, I think that it's just, you have to build that relationship with him and then, you know, count on that. But I think it, it does help a little bit. And we were able to have pretty frank conversations about things. Like if he doesn't like something, he says it. And I love that. Don't, don't give me the I'll think about it routine. Just if you don't want to do it, don't do it. That's fine. We can move on to the next thing. I, it doesn't bother me at all. I am, I am presenting something because I think it's a good idea. If you disagree, that's fine. We're going to have a conversation about it. Then whatever you say, I will sell. Okay. Do you, did you notice a difference when he came in, whether it was like football specific or just interpersonal? You know, he's obviously done a lot to change the program in a relatively short amount of time. How early did you start to maybe see some of that? I think you saw a lot of it um, when he was kind of pulling double duty, going back and forth with Ohio State. Um, just, just some of the balls that were in the air and, and trying to work out plans. You started to see that, all right, this guy's different. Um, you know, and, and then you realize that the things that are important to him are football, family, football and family, football and family. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think you noticed that really early on and then it, it kind of played itself out as we move through the process and then you're able to see him go through a recruiting cycle and you know some of the guys we were able to get the first year who were significant contributors now and then going through the first spring and and realizing guy's a pretty good football coach too okay what were you so you went through it with bk you went through it with uh with butch and it, there's been a, a few instances of it, but obviously the biggest one was when Mark D'Antonio announces he's retiring. You know, what, what, what's going through your mind a couple months ago when, when all of this is going down? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've probably come around a little bit on it in the years. You know, when I first went through it with Brian, I was like, God, why would I ever want to leave here? This place is whatever. It's awesome. And it is. But I think that now you're like, ah, screw it. Can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> looking forward to when I don't have to deal with you guys anymore, you know? Um, but no, you realize the, that if somebody's going to move on and, and they want to, and it's the best for them and their family, then that's life. So be it. Um, sometimes change isn't a bad thing for everybody. And it's hard. It's always hard. Whenever there's a coaching staff change or 
there's a lot of lives that are affected one way or the other. Um, so you're kind of, you kind of empathize with that a little bit. That's, you know, kind of the life we've all chosen in a way. But I think that if you're, if you're going to move on and it's the best move for you and your family and you've left this place better than it was when you got here, there's not a whole lot you can ask for more than that. That's arguable. Sometimes some, some people, some people feel they left it better than when they got here when maybe they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's open to opinion and it does play itself out down the road. So. Um, have you ever dealt with a bigger shift in personalities than from the previous athletic director to the new athletic director? <laughs> and that's, that's necessarily a bad thing or whatever, but Mike Bone was very wide open, loud, gregarious, whatever you want to describe. But John Cunningham seems to be, if you could, if you could draw up polar opposite, that <laughs> seems to be John Cunningham, right? Yeah. John's a normal guy. Um, very smart doesn't very, very proven, very good at his job so far. Um, I, I, you guys would argue he's been pretty good to deal with. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it's like anything else. I think that the person that makes the hire, the president probably looks to hire somebody who's got some similar characteristics to them. Um, so Santa Ono hired Mike Bone, very similar outgoing people. Dr. Pino is a, a, a little less outgoing, maybe more of a, a, an academic as a career and very smart, very, very intelligent and looks to find somebody that aligns with, with that level of thinking. And I think that both did that successfully. All right, let's get to, let's get to Cracker Barrel. We'll get back to Butch Jones. <laughs> this is the, I feel like this is going to be like the start of the book. If I ever write one. I mean, it's Titled the best Cracker story. Barrel. Well, it, it's one of those where you, you, you do the tease you set the groundwork at the beginning of the book and then it's the final story of the book, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just make them, make them read the whole thing. So Cracker barrel. Yes, a, a, a certain athletic director at Colorado who you may or may not have eventually gotten to know better um, leaked to a certain newspaper reporter in Colorado who just so happens to be an ESPN personality that, that Butch Jones was the man at Colorado uh, you are at a Cracker Barrel in Belk Bowl, right? Yeah, Charlotte. So it, just go. I don't want to just go. Okay. We weren't actually in the Cracker Barrel when this all went down. We were in the FBO at the Charlotte airport waiting for the private jet to come back to pick us up. So we had flown down that morning on a, on a donor's plane. Um, we had some things to do all day in Charlotte with a press conference and – some meetings about the bowl game. And then the biggest thing was we had to bring the tickets back with us that we were selling. That was back before like mobile ticketing and all that. So we literally bought 12,500 tickets back with us on the plane. <laughs> Did you just carry them around? I just threw them in the back, you know, we didn't get them until we were at the airport. So it's like, I'm there, you know, I have my right. feet on a cart. And anyway, so our, our plane was delayed coming back um, from wherever it was going on its way back to pick us up. So we had, three or four hours to kill. And, you know, we hadn't, we'd been in meetings all day and, and coach Jones is like, do you want to get some food? I go, yeah, let's get some food. So we're asking the people at the uh, FBO, like where, um, you know, what's around and what, what the shuttle can take us to. And they're like, well, there's a cracker barrel. And apparently decided on cracker barrel. Coach Jones is a big fan. Oh. I like cracker so barrel. We're, we're in cracker barrel, just getting some food and, and, you know, people are, my phone's been ringing all day. I mean, it was one of the weirdest press conferences ever because we said that we weren't going to really talk about anything but the game. And there were like three questions that were about the game. So 
we were in and out rather quickly. I remember sitting <laughs> in a conference room watching college football live uh, with, with Coach Jones and it coming on the screen about where he was going to end up coaching. And I said, should we call him and tell him? <laughs> Do we know? He thought that was kind of amusing. Um, and that, that was kind of a weird moment, like hearing them talk about somebody's like future when you're sitting like a foot from them. <laughs> um, so I think I might have texted the host, whoever it was that day, and I said, I'm sitting next to Coach Jones. He says you're full of it. And he's like, does he want to come on the air? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so we're in the crowd and, and, you know, both of our phones are ringing a lot. There's, I'm sure there's conversations going on with Butch and his representation about things. Um, you know, we had talked through the day about a couple of things and I know he was impressed by Colorado and, and what they had had to offer and everything else. And, you know, I think once I was done giving him a hard time for the hot dog cart thing, um, you know, <laughs> Um, how did he take that? Oh, not well, not well. He wasn't happy about that at all, was he? He wasn't happy. I brought it up too. <laughs> what you expect? <laughs> I haven't seen you in like three days. Um, so yeah, we we had a we had a good laugh about it, and you had a good laugh about it. Yeah, we had a good <laughs> laugh together. Like you know, it was one of those things where he knew I was right, and you know, it just that's the common ground from the relationship of having spent three years together where you can, you can get MF one second and the next second you're like, all right, everything's fine. Um, so, you know, we're sitting there talking and, and I asked him a bunch of questions cause I mean, otherwise, what are we going to talk about? You know, so, talk about it was topical. Yeah, it was topical. So we, you know, we, <laughs> we, we talked through a bunch of things and I, I saw where his head was at and I wasn't going to, I knew I was going to be able to convince him one way or the other. Um, you know, I just talked about some of the, the processes and strategies and other stuff. Just, and that's, again, you know, sometimes you, we, we asked to play a lot of different roles in our jobs. Sometimes you're a sounding board. Sometimes you're uh, a parent. Sometimes you're just there to provide support. And sometimes you just have to listen. And so we're, we're talking about things and phones kept ringing. He kept getting up. I kept getting up. And you know, it felt like something was, was coming at some point, like a decision was being come approaching. Um, we get back to the FBO and it was right around the, the local news. And I, I, my phone started ringing with, you know, I want to say it was somebody local asking like this thing just came out with, with this writer who's got ties to ESPN and, you know, said he's taking the job. And I think somebody was on the air and actually reported it. And Mrs. Jones happened to be watching the news and found out that way. And she calls and I'm on the other side of the, the building. Like we're in like this big open area and we were both near the wall outlets because our phones were almost dead. So, you know, at a certain point we start yelling at each other across the room. Um, and it was like, a, you could see the people at the desk. It was like a tennis match going back and forth. Like, who are these idiots? <laughs> so you know some chaos and and uh you know i think at one point i i yelled did you take a job and he said i haven't taken a job so i at that point you know i i made some calls and tried to keep it off the news as much as we could um but like anything i guess once something like that pops out it's wildfire so the the rest of the day was was not a whole lot of fun we landed in cincinnati at lincoln airport and there were cameras at the fence line. And I remember I was in the back of the plane, um, pulling all the boxes of tickets out and, and Butch yelled at me to come <laughs> over. Um, and I was like, what? 
He's like, I, I need somebody to walk with me so it doesn't look like I'm alone. So I think if you, there's probably film somewhere where it looks like I'm talking to him, but I'm really yelling at him the whole time from like the plane all the way to the, the terminal. Um, Cause then I had to go back and get all the boxes of tickets. So I was kind of pissed. Um, <laughs> and then obviously, you know, the, the, whatever happens the, the next day with, you know, discussions with a school that wasn't in the picture yet. And, you know, we had a interim head coach 36 hours later, 24 hours later, something like that. It was a weird week. They've all been weird weeks. And true. Yeah. It's just, it's, but you're talking about life decisions. And, and the thing you realize after a while is there's, there's never a great time to leave a job, you know, and it goes back to that. If you've, if you've left it in a better place than, than it was, then you've done a lot of what you can and, and people are going to be pissed. People have affections for programs and they have affections for people and everything else. Um, but it, 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 it's somebody making a decision that's best for them and their family. Is there ever a time that's uh, good to either A, go to hell, or B, get a job? Uh, <laughs> Are we getting our first no comment of the day? <laughs> we don't, you're not going to get like a campaign job or anything, right? We don't, we don't want to screw up those chances. I mean, we made a conversation at one point during a previous race about it. Um, I may or may not have encouraged the candidate in question that our politics differ so tremendously that it probably wouldn't be a good idea. Seriously, though, take me through that event because it, it the Keenan about the BYU uh, game. Yeah, Keenan, okay. Keenan, uh, and, and I don't know if I know we've talked about this a little bit. I was standing next to Keenan from Channel Nine. He literally hit record on his camera one second before it happened. It yeah, was, it was, it was, a, it was the, the biggest weirdest, stroke of luck. It was one of the weirdest confluence of events I've ever, I've ever been a part of in this job. And so if you remember, we used to do media above the, in the rec yeah. center classrooms. And that was actually the first game ever that we had, we had moved it, it down. Field. And the weird part Dumbass. was is, <laughs> what idiot SID made that decision? God, wasn't my decision. Uh, so I mean, you know, nine times out of ten, nobody's there. So it was dumb luck. So the guy that had yelled at him that I think it was he was stealing. You're stealing money, Tommy. Stealing over money, Tommy. and, over, stealing and money. over. I I want to say for like two years he yelled at him every game. So he did. I'm down I, there. He just, did every game. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just one of those things where that that point in the season, offense had struggled for a long time. There was a lot of frustration built up among a lot of people, and it just kind of blew up. Um, I think the weird thing was is we're walking over there, and you know, we've got the officers around us, and and I'm walking next to Tubbs, and I, I literally, on the tip of my tongue, I was about to say, "Hey, that guy's going to say something. Don't engage with him." And I didn't. And then next thing I know, I hear go to hell get a job. (laughs) This could be bad. And then I look up and uh, I just see a red light on a camera and yep. Well, this is going to be fun. I mean, that's one instantly, you know, is viral the second you see the red light, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Did you know, like, this is probably the beginning of the end of the Tuberville era at the same time? I'm not the, I wasn't the AD, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's like, kind of, you like to think that there's, you like to think there's a way out of most things. Um, 
but I don't know. I mean, you look at what was going on. We were struggling on the field and, and I don't know. It's a hard thing because you're, you're so close to it. it it's hard to think of it in that terms because it, it adds so much uncertainty to things. You're honestly like you try to focus on, you know, the next game really. You bring up a good point though. Who, who do you feel? I mean, obviously the athletic director is your boss because that's everyone's boss, but you also kind of, the, the head football coach is your boss. How do you navigate that relationship? Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> it helps that they like each other. No, it does. It does. Um, you know, I think that you, you've got to be consistent in your approach, you know, and that's where the relationships that you build with everybody come into play. And the relationship I have with Chad may not, may not be the relationship I have with Justin. Um, so I, I didn't say it was like a bad thing. It's just different. <laughs> um, so I think it just, you've got to be a professional and you know, it is what it is. It's if the head coach makes a decision, the head coach makes a decision. If the AD makes a decision, the AD makes a decision. You don't have to be professional. There was that conversation Justin and I had with that one guy in November <laughs> at football practice that we'll keep off the record. <laughs> <laughs> Final thing for you guys. Talk Maybe the, the, the most end. newsworthy, <laughs> the most the most newsworthy thing that's happened in your tenure. You were you were at home, right? Which one? December tenth, two thousand ten, or two thousand eleven? December tenth, two thousand eleven. A little, a little. Uh, oh oh no! I was in the office. No, at I was Xavier. in the office. No, I was in the office. It was our first day of bowl practice. Um. So we had, we had scheduled um, bowl practice that day and it was our first one. And luckily the, the timing was such that I was not able to be there. Um, so I watched on TV from my office and then sat in my chair and watched a group of people walk by my window down to the Indies office. <laughs> and I was, I wasn't, I was not in charge of the office at the time. I was literally just a football SID. Um, and I think I was working with lacrosse as well. And just thinking to myself, God, it's a good day to not be Andre. <laughs> Andre was like brand new at that point, right? Yeah, that was his first year. We've been trying to recover ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Andre's been trying to recover ever since. <laughs> it was like, he's never recovered. <laughs> yeah, that, that first time we were back over at, at Centos, I had to, you know, kind of stick around him for a while to make sure he was okay. Was he in a corner convulsing? <laughs> I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> He's still like every year around crosstown shootout time. He still gets a little twitchy. Yeah, I think Chad does it on purpose to get him keep him on his toes. <laughs> That's a fact. But what did you like? What What are you thinking as it happens? Like, oh shit! Like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you're thinking this isn't the first thought is well, this isn't good. <laughs> and, and anytime you see that at any school when there's there's a incident like that, you're just overall you just think it's bad for the business overall. Anytime it happens in any sport, you're like, this is not good. Um, you know, you've seen it happen so many times, but especially when your institution's involved, you're like, ooh, okay, this is going to be interesting. So it's, it's like anything else. Um, you know, I think that one of the ways you get better at your job is you learn from the situations you go through. And that is certainly a, a situation you can learn something from with, with crisis management and, and how you deal with it and maybe something you could do differently the next time. Um, so yeah, don't, it was a learning experience. 
don't let your players take the podium. Talk about being thugs and gangsters immediately after uh, a massive brawl, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> well, thanks, Kaz. <laughs> <laughs> Did we lose your audio there, Kaz? Sorry, my audio went out for a second. I don't know what happened. <laughs> We appreciate it, buddy. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun, especially story time, because there's nobody in that building that has the depth and level of stories uh, that you do. Other than maybe Wid, Wid probably does. Yeah, but Wid won't tell you his stories, then. Right. Yeah. Well, no, I mean it's it's. I mean, I've got what I think is one of the best jobs in the world. I get to work with great people all the time. Um, even you guys. And then there's me and Justin. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are constant, though. Like. You know, uh, it's like Coach Tuberville used to say, he's like, well, coming to practice, I got to have somebody to talk to. There I went. Well, it was Tim for a while. He would have liked, he would have liked Justin. Yeah, he would have. Because Justin would have gotten all the stories out of him. It would have been hilarious. Yeah, um, but I no, mean, <laughs> if, I don't know if it would have, you know, sped things up in, in certain regards or, or slowed them down. <laughs> I don't know. It would have been interesting. <laughs> I mean, Justin, literally – like an hour and 30 minutes of practice, he would just talk to us. And it would be the whole be... time, like first 30 minutes. And during then he would Indy, come back. He would, during Indy, he would come over and talk. And then when they did uh, other stuff, like when they separated again, but team stuff, he was, he was in. Yeah, team stuff, he was out on the field. But anytime they were yeah. separate, he was generally standing there talking to us, having a, uh, a jolly old time, telling us uh, stories from, from days of yore. If you haven't listened to the – there was a New Heisel podcast where they did a one-on-one -on -one interview with him for a while, and it was really good. And there was a lot of the stories we heard during practice, too. I mean, that was the thing, Cos. I liked Tubbs yeah. a lot. Like, but he did, it just didn't work. What can you do? It wasn't a, it wasn't a good fit. I'm not going to get well, into that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, yeah, he wasn't – like, his, his heart was in it, I think. But just the, the, the Southern style of doing things was a lot different than the Midwestern style of doing things, is what I would say. This is a definite, a unique place. Um, you got to understand it a little bit. And you see that with some of the success that's happened in recent years in recruiting and then the results on the field. Um, you know, everyone's got a different approach. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So, you know, it's been fun, though. Let's start. Right, so not saying not saying better or worse, but we talked about the difference between Bone and Cunningham. What what's a greater change? Tubbs to Fick or or Bone to Cunningham? Jeez. Final question. <laughs> can I can I can I use a lifeline here? <laughs> Are we gonna call Tubbs? <laughs> I got his number, we can call him. Yeah. Um That's hard. I would say they're in their own ways. They're equally different, like equally, equally challenging and equally uh, worthy of future story times. That's a cop out. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. You gotta Thanks, save Cos. something for the book, right, Chad? <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. This was like the uh, the precursor, the preamble to the book, but. Thanks a lot, Kaz. It's been awesome. The, the story time with Kaz is something that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll set aside for every global pandemic, okay? <laughs> I appreciate it, boys, and I appreciate what you guys do as well. All right. Justin, much appreciated.
Any parting words for Taz? I don't think so. Just, you know, first game. All right, let's first game. Let's 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 say everything starts on time. What's on what's on the menu? What is that? (laughs) Thursday night against Austin P. Is that is that a Thursday? Is it a Friday? Thursday night. Um, I don't know what the new I don't know what the new menu potential is yet for this year. We haven't talked about it, but I'm open to suggestions if you guys want to make some things and, and make some things of what you don't want. My theory is that your answer is just always walking tacos, whether, whether it's right or wrong. That's just what you, that's just what you give us. Walking tacos have not made the menu for football yet, but I think that might only be a basketball thing. I can certainly ask if you're interested though. I don't think you are though. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with them, but I feel like we got them enough in basketball. But walking tacos are reaching city barbecue levels of uh, saturation. Just saying. I'm not even going to mention that, that that dirty place across town does Montgomery and ribs for every basketball game. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up. That's going to wrap Love it you guys. up. <laughs> He's Justin Williams from The Athletic. That's Ryan Coslin, sports information director, extraordinaire, 12-year veteran at the University of Cincinnati. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.